and welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy and you probably are too. I'm Tegan and I'm here today with Lindsay and we are here again, finally, to talk about Loki. I know <laughs> we have been planning on doing this for a few <sighs> weeks now, but it's just, it, it, it's been insane. Like the past couple of months, honestly, have just been so incredibly stressful and difficult. Like I, I've, it, it's been really difficult for me to get back into my groove, get my energy back, like... It's just been really hard. I mean, I I remember in my last in our last episode, you know, I was talking about how gaming really contributes to you know a good uh, state of mental health for me, and like I mean, right? pretty much in most for most of June, like I spent it just gaming, just trying to like get my brain back into this baseline of functioning, and I think I'm finally back there. So it's it's just. It, it was a whole disaster of, of a move, and it took a whole lot out of me that I didn't even anticipate. But we're back now. We're we're getting back. See, on and track. to be fair, I have no real like, I have no real excuse. I just have days where it's hard to do anything more than what I do for a living, plus uh, talk about all the things I love. And you would think that that's stupid, like right? That doesn't make yeah. any darn sense. But I. I, I get home and I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't know. And it, it's just been a roller coaster of things where, you know, we, we have days that are good and days that aren't as good. And uh, Tegan's and my days have been, um, you know, <laughs> flippy floppy. <laughs> we <laughs> not syncing up so well. Yeah. So every day that I think that I can do it is a day that maybe we can't do it. Yeah. And that's okay too. So we're here. Um, and, and, and of course, like with what we want to talk about today with uh, Loki on Disney Plus, we have been wanting to talk about it for a while. And then like, you know, it's halfway through the week and we're like, OK, well, do we wait and talk about the next episode the, the episode that just dropped just now? Or do we wait and or do we do it now and then? people who are listening to it are who are up to date are going to be like oh yeah these losers they yeah. aren't even up to date on what just dropped so yeah. <laughs> what happened today is i am i literally just watched the episode that launched on wednesday so by the time you guys are listening to this we will be up to date hopefully you will be up to date so spoiler alert as we yes. as it goes if you are listening to this episode and you are not up to episode 5 in loki i'm going to need you to turn it off Go watch episode five, then come back and talk to us about it, um, or listen to us talk about it, because Tegan actually, like, two days ago messaged me that the minute that I uh, watched episode five, I have to talk to her and let her know that I've watched it, because she's got stuff she needs to share with me. So Yes, 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 yes. With that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is it? I've been dying in anticipation. Okay, well, I mean, the best, the actual best part, I mean, honestly, there was so much good things that I liked going on in episode five, but honestly, one of my favorite parts, and maybe one of my favorite parts of the entire series, I'm actually sending it to you right now, but it's a meme of Crocodile Loki, oh. or Alligator Loki, actually, or Croaky, as some people have started calling okay. him. And he's just, he's so fantastic. <laughs> he is like the the best character. I just want to give him a hug. He is amazing. And somebody actually drew up like a meme comic um, <laughs> <laughs> with like Odin, you know, revealing the fact that, you know, oh. like, oh, son, I have kept the secret from you to protect you. 
you are adopted. And then just the next panel is just an alligator oh making these gosh. confused alligator noises. And it's so yeah. great. It's so fantastic. And, and yet it still hits you in the feels with even with as funny as it is. Because it's like, oh, poor little guy. You just want to give him a hug. I just want to give him a hug. Yeah, you just want to give him a little nose right? scratch. So yeah, um, lots of Aww. lots of really good stuff I think happening in this episode, especially like character wise and everything like that. But really, I think to cover the characters, the arcs, the stories, everything, I think we need to kind of go back and discuss like where we've been from episode one because it's it's been a journey, honestly. Like when it was announced that the series was only going to be six episodes, like uh, Captain and the Winter Soldier, I was like, hmm, like you know slightly disappointed just because I know that WandaVision had like I think nine episodes and I'm like it it feels like we're taking steps back you know and I I just want to make sure that with whatever story they're wanting to tell that they're going to be leaving themselves enough time and enough space to actually tell it right they that they have enough chance to tell the story absolutely yeah but you know I I feel like the pacing with this is a little different I Mm -hmm. I felt a little rushed with um Captain uh, Captain America and the, and the Winter Soldier. I felt rushed with that one. And WandaVision 2 a little bit. But so far, I mean, we're five out of six episodes in. I feel like I've kind of got a pretty good idea of where we're at. And I don't feel like they're rushing me through it. But I also feel like I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I, I tend to watch a lot of those YouTube guys who do, like, the Easter eggs you missed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I watch those things, I feel like I missed everything that they're talking about. <laughs> and... To be fair, I'm I'm like a topical Marvel MCU fan, right? Like mm-hmm. I I love it, but I love it at the topical value. I couldn't tell you um, anything about uh, Kid Loki or boastful Loki or classic Loki. I couldn't tell you anything about anything, honestly. And that kind of troubles me because I I know we've talked a lot about gatekeepers and things mm-hmm. like that, but I feel like. With this show, I, and and honestly, it's kind of funny that we're talking about Loki because I think, you know, for three years now, you've been telling me Loki's your favorite, Loki's your favorite, and now we're watching a show that is, you know, Loki's show. So, (laughs) I, like, don't, don't, don't smite me down here, but I feel like I am still a very topical MCU fan Mm -hmm. in the sense that I, love the show um i love the universe i love what's going on but i don't normally ever at all pick apart the shows pick apart the easter eggs pick apart what's going on Mm -hmm. so when there's references to uh comic book characters or you know when we met sylvie and we thought that she might have been enchantress or or uh lady loki i was (laughs) lost as usual (laughs) so I I feel like there's almost kind of a an element of the show that's lost on me because I love it, but I love it in a in a topical way. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh no, you, so they've slipped in like a lot of different references and things from the comics that you know if you aren't familiar with the comics or even some of the cartoons, then you know you're either not going to pick it up or you're not going to understand it. Which, you know, I get that obviously, you know, this is a Marvel property. I think they assume that a lot of people will have a certain level of understanding regarding the comics or just the universe in general. Um, But I mean, obviously, that's not always the case. So 
I, I mean, I think it is cool that, you know, you have, that there's this, obviously this huge, like, you know, demand for YouTubers and YouTube videos that will, like, actually break down and recognize and explain all the different Easter eggs, all the different references. Uh, they'll give you, like, comics and, um, that you can look up if you want or characters to look into if you, you know, ever, like, want to do, like, further like reading on your own or whatever you know <laughs> right like, absolutely like there's a whole like little market for this now because you know obviously not everybody watching the series is as acquainted with it as i think some of the showrunners kind of assume which i'm not really sure if yeah, that's necessarily yeah. a good thing or a bad thing but i think if anything it's a good thing to like kind of encourage a certain level of community like you know being able to talk to other fans about it and be like hey what was this i didn't get this or hey like you know explaining like oh this is from this or this is a reference to this or you know whatever i i don't know right that that's me looking at it in an optim more optimistic way which i know for me is kind of odd but <laughs> i know like who are you where's tegan at? <laughs> um <laughs> But I agree. I mean, like that's that's definitely a great opportunity to to get to that point and to to watch from that perspective. But I also feel like there's probably tons of people out there who are like, "Oh, you don't know that yet." Well, oh yeah, I... definitely, definitely. Uh, that's why it's like just really important to just kind of curate your own fandom and internet experience and... because it's. <laughs> Yeah, there's just so many you know, toxic uh, there's opportunity for that no matter what yep yeah there yep I so, get it so many different toxic parts of fandoms and it's just I don't get why it's so much fun to tear others down but apparently other people just enjoy that I don't get it I don't personally. know man I see it in the weirdest places I yeah. see like People who are complete strangers of each other saying, commenting on somebody's makeup, like, all she's doing is doing a makeup tutorial. If you don't like it, scroll on by. And people yeah, think, like, just... oh, I have to comment that I think you look like a clown and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. shush, shush, go, go away. <laughs> Nobody needs your negativity. And it, it, it's it's ugly. It looks bad on you. Like, it looks bad on everybody, but especially you, because you bothered to stop and comment about it. Like, come on. Yeah. Get a job. And then, of course, you go find out that this, like, I'm I'm an awful person, and I look on Facebook, and I try and find out anything about this person who just commented this awful stuff. And it turns out that they're, like, not, <laughs> what? They're not, like, a, you know, a person with a million followers who's amazingly gorgeous and, you know, has uh, some kind of social media platform where they can, you know, influence other people, blah, blah, blah. It's like a, an old lady with a dog. Like, okay, good for you. Or just the most really? mediocre, or just, or just the most mediocre white man <laughs> you could imagine. Yes, yes, that too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and each time I'm just like, what? Can't we just support each other and, it, it, you know, be excited that we're, well, that, clearly that's not the universe yeah. we're living in. Yeah. I guess some. <sighs> okay, some so fans... tangent, sorry. <laughs> I guess some fans have just been fans and knowledgeable for so long. It's just difficult to accept that, you know, we all started at some point not knowing anything about a thing, you know, like, yeah, like they yeah. weren't magically born knowing everything about Marvel comics. They had to learn themselves. It, yeah. So, <laughs> but also the treasure trove of information people know yes. about Marvel comics is like insane. Yes. It is the coolest and most uh, scary thing I think I've ever experienced <laughs> because 
Ah, when I when I watch the Easter egg uh, episodes and like shout out to new rock stars on YouTube because I listen to them uh, pretty consistently each time they come out with a new show. And each time I'm like, oh, wow, there's no way I would have noticed that. And even you on the first episode, when you mentioned mm-hmm. to me about um, the the lady who looked who came out of the TVA and looked like Kaylee Atwell, um, mm-hmm. Agent Carter. Yeah, I was like, no, no way. But they had mentioned it in the episode of, of New Rockstars, too. They had said, oh, look, this person looks like Haley Atwell. And I was like, yeah. ah, what the heck? How did I still not notice this person? But, yeah, I mean, I I love the extra little tidbits and the nods to everything. I mm-hmm. honestly sometimes wonder if the producers, the executive producers, and people in charge of the shows even know that they're doing all these nods to everything. Like, oh, yeah. are they just like sentient beings so they know exactly what they're nodding off to? Or is it accidental like inferences? Because they would both be pretty magical. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'd be pretty impressed both ways. I think I'd be, I, I'm, I mean, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine anyway, but I'm excited to see all of the Easter eggs and especially the ones that I completely and totally missed yeah. because I, I miss a lot, guys. I miss a lot. And <laughs> no shame. I could probably watch the show over and over and over again and still miss most of the things that they point out in these shows. And I'm still impressed. So, gosh, it's probably something about me in there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> this last episode, should we go from the first episode or the last episode? Let's go from the first episode because I, I, I find it really, you know, a, a wonder, just a wonderful bit of, like, writing and storytelling because when they grab Loki, obviously they grab him right after the Avengers. And so, right, you right. know, all the character work and all of the growth that he had throughout the dark world throughout Ragnarok you know everything like that is basically like canceled out and it it didn't Mm -hmm. happen it didn't have it hasn't happened to this character yet and so like you get him and you you get him as he was at the end of Avengers still very angry snarky sassy uncooperative you know stubborn everything like that and you know so Morbius is wanting to, you know, coax what he knows is his potential out of him and kind of guide him towards where he ends up when he sacrifices himself. But, you know, obviously he doesn't want to actually sacrifice him. So, it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting journey trying to get him to a similar place, but going a different way. And uh, right. it's just... It's one not just wonderful acting, not a not just wonderful writing, but wonderful acting on Tom's part because like watching him watch his mother die, watch him watch himself oh. die, like it's you can just watch his body language and the, you can feel the emotional impacts that he has without even saying anything. It's really just a right. fantastic bit of uh, of acting there. So I. On a, I'm, and I mean, I don't really expect anything less from Tom Hiddleston. He's absolutely fantastic. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know. Well, and you know, it's it's funny with Tom Hiddleston, too. Like, with the whole uh, concept of the beginning of, that, of the show, mm-hmm. where we do realize that um, Loki is going to be um, starting out from a place that we, you know, it, it kind of takes us back. Mm-hmm. I I was very concerned as to how they were going to do that. And I don't I almost fo- felt like that was kind of a cop out to show him that and plot line wise for mm-hmm. that to be a thing because 
it can be a testament to the character. You know, Loki mm-hmm. would feel and see those emotions as he was watching them. Like, that's a very... Uh, it could be a character flaw. I get that. Mm-hmm. But also, I felt like with the plot line, it was kind of just a, a way to... A way to make it happen without... You know, just to... Well, like, see, like a cop-out. Well, see, and here's why I liked it, because, like, it, I think it could have been, like, a complete cop-out with doing that and, like, you know, showing him this and then having him immediately turn around and be exactly like he was at the beginning of Infinity War. But I think it's great mm-hmm. that they showed him this and it's like he had a moment and it's like you can see that he hesitates in his instincts and what he's kind of, like wanting to do and then even afterwards you know he's he still tries to double cross the tva a couple of times even runs off with sylvie and he's like you know trying to he's still like struggling i think with this identity of his own like and trying to figure out like okay i don't want this you know he's told that his purpose was really basically to fall so that others could be built up and so he's kind of struggling with this concept of okay if this is what my life was supposed to be I don't want it to be that but how do I stop that how do I prevent that like you can actively see that he's trying to process all of his self-destructive behaviors but at the same time he's still prone to these self-destructive behaviors of betrayal Mm -hmm. and turning on people and all of that stuff so he's He's gotten a few false stars, but I think he's finally now at the point where, I think about episode four or so, he was at the point where really, you know, he he was finally getting to that, getting to that point where he was at. They also don't show him anything of what he becomes, though. They don't show him any of his of the timeline past his timeline, and I I know that's no. probably like a thing you can't do. Probably, but not. <laughs> he doesn't actually know like what his sacrifice does for the rest of the universe or does you know for the rest of that timeline yeah. he, he has no idea that it had to happen for these things to happen so yeah but i it, mean it's it's still pretty crap that it's like well your whole life is basically to fail and then eventually die yeah. failing and it's like you know at that point it's like man screw you <laughs> like I, I don't want my life to be that you know i want more for myself and right right you know so I, I to- totally on his side. I, by the way, like from the very first episode, like I really did not vibe with the TVA. I didn't believe them anything that they said really more or less like from the first, <laughs> like from the very first thing. And I think it's just this ingrained thing because I see the whole like retro aesthetic and I immediately think, think fallout and i think vault tech which immediately oh, which immediately in my mind is like suspicious like mm, this is kind of sus mm. <laughs> okay like mm, i don't believe this okay <laughs> you know so i'm i see that aesthetic and i'm just immediately suspicious i don't know what it aside from the fallout thing i don't know what it is it's just like nope <laughs> see and it's not that i didn't trust them it's just that i knew that it it was all too good to be true you know yeah. like the the three the, the timekeepers and there being a a sacred timeline is mm-hmm. so sus it's very uh, some didn't sit right with me either but it didn't come mm-hmm. from like the 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 gist or the feel of anything it, yeah. it was more it was more just like 
if something's too good seems too good to be true it probably is mm-hmm. and especially with like trying trying to have that much that much control over things and having to like have people uh implement your control mm-hmm. uh, it just if there's that much overreach it, there's probably something wrong and mm-hmm. Uh, that's essentially how I felt through most of uh, the first couple of episodes. Um, I really liked the little inferences to um, godlike omniscientness with the uh, uh, with the TVA and the sacred timeline because mm-hmm. there's a few times, and it's not just Mobius who's confronted with the question. Sometimes it's uh, I think Renslayer might have uh, been asked it, but. They, they kind of dance around the concept of the sacred timeline being godlike work. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the exact part where Mobius says it, but he says something like, oh, they, they talk about fate. Uh, Loki and Mobius are talking about fate at some point, and, and he says something like, oh, it's not that, that you don't have free will. It's that, well, I couldn't, I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but but he really dances around the concept of someone mm-hmm. not having their own choices, yeah. but that um, like they're destined to be a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially with this show, they're really dancing around the idea of Loki being a loser as opposed to being someone who survives. And gosh, I could, I, I honestly think that there was a, an episode a while ago that you and I were listening, that we're, we were recording and we talked about, maybe Emily was in there too, about anti-heroes. And Loki really kind of like epitomizes the mm-hmm. anti-hero aesthetic. Um, not so much that he's ever really uh, working for himself or that, you know, he wants to rule, although we've seen that, uh, you know, drive from him, mm-hmm. but more that he wants wants to survive that that's his that's his plan is just to make it out whatever the cost yeah I, and whoever he has to be friend in the process mm-hmm. and, and i think especially like during this series he's gotten a chance to kind of confront that reality that you know ruling is not all it's cracked up to be like sometimes sometimes it's good to just live <laughs> you know sometimes it's good to take smaller victories and smaller wins and just survive, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm kind of excited to see where we're headed with, with the end of the show, too, because mm-hmm. I I feel like there's been a, a different kind of development in Loki in the show mm-hmm. that we didn't really get to see with him being snarky and fun-loving with, with Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, been, it's been more internal growth than external growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Sylvie. Um, yes. So, I know in the beginning I thought she was going to be Lady Loki, and then I was quickly dashed. I was told, nope, that's not it. And so, then Enchantress. Yeah, so the character of Sylvie is kind of interesting. Um, so in the comics, Sylvie Lushton is Enchantress. She's a young woman who Loki gives power to. And so she's kind of associated with him, but, you know, it, she's... She's not like a clone of him or a variant or anything like that. She's just her own person. So making her Mm -hmm. a variant of Loki, I'm not really sure how that sits with me, to be quite honest. Like, eh. 
all right, like I guess this is <laughs> like I guess this is the direction that they're going for the series, but like I kind of wish they had just kept her her own like her own thing, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, okay, cool, whatever. Like I I do like her character and like the development, little bit of development that she has, the interactions she has. I do appreciate that, especially her whole interactions with Hunter B. Was it B fifteen or B twelve? Mm-hmm. Uh, when she gave her her memories back, like it was, it was a really great little moment for both of them. There was so much growth just in that little scene between both of them, where you know the hunter realizes that they're exactly like the people that they're hunting, and Sylvie, mm-hmm. you know, to her credit, like isn't super snarky or she's mean about it. She's just like, yeah, like this is what I'm trying to tell you. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it, it was interesting to me, too, especially because she, she asks Sylvie, she says, or no, she says, I was, I looked happy. And mm-hmm. ah, I, I wanted those words to be different so badly because I'm, I'm always, like, picking apart what people say and how they respond to each other. And mm-hmm. it, in that amount of time where she was able to see her memories, was she really able to say that she looked happy or... Could she have asked Sylvie if she was happy? Can Sylvie see the images? I, I don't know. I needed more depth to it, I suppose. But I feel like had we watched the images or had we seen what she saw, it yeah. would have, like, it, it would have cheapened it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't show us at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, along with, like, visual memories, I think, you know, you, you get emotions from memories, too. So I think that she was mm-hmm. able to not okay. only see, but like feel everything that, you know, happened in her life. So, yeah. and, and just the thought that, you know, not only was she happy, not only was, did her life seem pretty well, but she knows that that life no longer exists now because it was reset. So all of that is completely mm-hmm. gone and there's no real hope to return to it. So yeah, that's. It's really rough, like, when you actually, like, think about, you know, the whole consequences, you know, a hunter, that a hunter goes through, realizing that the very thing that they've been doing has been done to them, and that connection that this life is not really what they thought it was, that Mm -hmm. everything was a lie. So I... I, I feel really bad for her. I, I, I can't wait to see right. like more of her and what she does. I really, I'm really hoping that she'll be okay through the end of the series, but I don't trust Marvel. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, <laughs> but and I, I really want like an end credit scene where we get to see that TVA guy who worked at the desk, who was taking the, uh, yeah. like the evidence stuff with uh-huh. the, with the infinity stones, who is, I, I want an end credit scene of him being like. I don't, I don't know. I don't even, I, I'm not even creative enough to think of a good end credit scene for him, but I, I do want to see him at the end of the yeah. TVA being brought down to see what he does with it because I don't, I think he's, he's fun and he's, yeah. he's, my, he, he's hilarious. You know, he's a little like comic relief with the infinity stones, paperweights and stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was fun. He was, um, he was, um, one little bone to pick though, like, just as a, as a writer, like, the one thing that really bugged me was I feel like they glossed over the ending of episode three when Sylvie sends all those reset charges across the timeline and essentially bombs the timeline. And you get all these little uh-huh. branching 
arcs like out from it like and then in the next episode it's like okay everything's fine like okay but what did you do though what happened like right 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 you know like (laughs) I'm like, like you just what had happened this, just now. Yeah, like there was this major thing. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you solve that? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. May, maybe I just missed it, but uh, we still don't have any answers. Maybe we'll get answers in episode six, but I, I honestly know. doubt it. I um, <laughs> there's there's little parts sometimes where there's little little side stories that don't mm-hmm. get answered, and I'm always like, yeah. uh, like oh, that wait sucks. a minute. Guess we'll have to go to. If I watch it again, I'll be like, uh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, what about uh? So I want to jump to the uh, scene where Loki is singing in Norwegian in yes. the bar. Yes, yes, that's uh, a brilliant uh, little scene. So now I honestly haven't looked it up on IMDb if that was his real voice singing or not. Mm-hmm. I kind of assume it was because. Um, my daughter actually had to re- re- remind me that um, Tom Hiddleston sings as uh, James Hook in yeah. the Pirate Fairy Tinkerbell movies. And, of course, she grew up with the Tinkerbell movies, so we watched them kind of religiously, uh, if Tinkerbell can be its own religion, um, for oh, I definitely uh, think two it to is. three years straight. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and he sings, like, the whole song um, with the little pirate fairy person mm-hmm. so i mean i i kind of think it has to be him um i was kind of enchanted honestly and at some point in time i've actually read or heard the lyrics interpreted um from Nor- norwegian and they were really sad like yeah uh sylvia looks like she understands what he's saying and there's very sad words um and yet he's singing I was so cheerfully <laughs> Yeah, well, he's he's a little. Um, what did he say? He's full. He was very mm-hmm. full. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in that particular scene, so he wasn't drunk. He was full. Yeah. Um, and he was very full. And oh, I loved that he was like pairing pairing beers with cheeses, and yes. then he threw down his glass, and he was like another, just like Thor. Yep. Oh, I love it. It was there's, so good. There's been so many like little like references and callbacks to like similar scenes throughout like previous movies one of them was actually in episode five um kid loki and gator loki actually play get help more or less when he tosses gator loki at somebody kind of like thor tossed loki oh did he really oh i just watched that (laughs) yeah because thor tosses loki at the guards doing (laughs) yes but that that was fantastic. So I, I really do love all of these little like callbacks and kind of like similarities and references to other movies. Um, I think another way that it's kind of also has some callbacks, it does have, I think, a similar feel to um, which one was it to Captain America Winter Soldier, where, you know, it, there's action, but there's also this kind of thriller mystery kind of thing going on in the background that um you know, just further unfurls as the story goes on. And it it kind of, like, is one of those uh, mystery things that makes you kind of paranoid, like you're looking over your shoulder, like there's people watching you, you know, Big Brother is, you know, watching and they know and they're going to, you know, come get you and everything. So it it, very similar feel to, you know, quite a a bit of, you know, really solid Marvel movies. So I, I do really enjoy that. 
Oh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, soundtrack, too, because I have been so thrilled with the soundtrack. Um, just callbacks to other mm-hmm. um, uh, other uh, songs that are playing. Um, I couldn't even, like, tell you what I'm even talking about right now, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the it, it feels very much like a very long... Marvel movie mm-hmm. um, they, they're definitely not skimping around on on the music oh yeah um, I'm always so impressed and like then I've got the, the songs in the back of my head for the next like four days where I'm yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out why I've got this particular uh, chord or tune in my head and I realize that it was from Loki or that <laughs> it was from some other show that I'm watching um, I'm still trying to look up if he actually did the the voice for the singing I, I i swear he probably did i was but now i gotta look it up so but yeah like uh, all the the music the visuals everything like that like it's it doesn't feel like they've cheaped out for a tv series it definitely feels like they're investing in this which you know i think is a good thing because it, it would be so easy to make this like a cash grab and just you know slap something together and upload it to Disney Plus and be like, okay, here you go. Here's your little, you know, dose of Marvel. And, you know, fans would still watch it, but at the same time, you know, when you actually put some love and some devotion into something, you know, people people recognize that. You know, we can see that. We can see the love. Mm-hmm. We can see, you know, with all of the little references, both in the series itself and in even in, like, the credit scenes, uh, it's... It's incredible just, you know, the attention to detail that they've really been able to pour into the series. And I think that just makes it right. all but the more special. Right, but here's the thing. <laughs> On the flip side, I am, at the time of this recording, I have not seen Black Widow, and I'm pretty sure Tegan hasn't either because it mm-hmm. literally came out, um, like, uh, today. Um, but I am concerned that Black Widow is going to feel like a squinched uh, Disney Plus show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm petrified that they're going to have pushed too much information into a real small little period of time, um, kind of like a genie in a bottle, and mm-hmm. I'm going to have so many unanswered questions, and I'm going to be thinking, oh, you know, this might have been better as a show. Yeah. So I, I, I'm almost like worried about that. I'm, yeah, concerned. <laughs> and I mean, the thing is, is like their recent movies have felt like that. They felt it's felt like they've tried to push too much story into one thing, and that's that's why I mm-hmm. think these series have been working out so well. It's because they've had the space to really develop things the way they want to. So yeah, I mean, definitely, I am you know, not really honestly excited to see it, you know, will I see it? I I honestly don't know. I I haven't decided if I will or not, but I only know one person who's seen it so far and, um, he gave good reviews, but not so much like he knows I hate spoilers too. So he was like, it was good. It wasn't the best, but it was all right. You know, it wasn't good. And I'm like, uh, is it something I want to spend the money to go see in the theater or is it something that I want to go and wait or until it comes out that I can do it on Disney plus? What, what are the options here? Because, uh, I don't, I, what, it wasn't a raving review, but yeah, 
He also couldn't tell me much. Yeah, I don't obviously. Know. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, eh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> there, there was a really cool scene on Lamentis where uh, Sylvie and Loki were running around, and it was uh, brought to my attention that it wasn't actually a, a, a one-camera no-cut scene. Mm-hmm. It looked very much like a no-cut scene, but it turns out that there actually are quite a few cuts in it. Um, mm. So I was kind of sad about that. But it did look really cool. It was very visually appealing. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I loved the way that they kept zooming out so that you could look up, um, mm-hmm. that the camera would look and up at, at whatever Loki and Sylvie were seeing. Yeah. Um, so you could it see was, the It was very coming. visually appealing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was super cool. Um, it, I, I kept thinking, like, what would this look like on a big tele- a big movie screen? Mm-hmm. Um, and just really enjoying the cinematography of it. Um, not that I had any, you know, chance to be uh, not impressed, but... Um, just really impressed with the way they're they're doing that um and uh there was also a scene in lamentis where i actually had to message you halfway through watching it and i was like (laughs) tegan did did loki just admit to being bisexual yes and (laughs) he really does Mm -hmm. um it was it was very subtle. I honestly didn't. I don't think I caught it the first time around, but the second time, I was just listening to to it, and I was thinking, "Huh." And and he's talking to Sylvie about um, relationships, and there's a little bit of an illusion there that Sylvie. Um, I read that someone had said maybe Sylvie was having a relationship with Stan Lee's character, the uh, watcher. Yeah, the watcher <laughs> who. Uh, who was a postman? Who was you know in the disguise of a postman for such so many. Um, cameos and then um loki says like oh you know a little bit of both i i kind of presume it's the same way with you and i was like wait a little bit of both what huh (laughs) and and so i had to think about it and this is something that i did definitely want to talk about and discuss is the queer representation in the show um because in the very first episode, we did get confirmation that MCU Loki is gender fluid, which is something that has already been established in the comics. And I mean, it's already established in Norse mythology as well, but it's mm-hmm. not really something that has come up before it's specifically in the MCU. So in the first episode, they did confirm that. And then in the fourth episode, they confirmed that he is bisexual. So obviously great, awesome. Like it and it's done in such a way that it's there's not like a huge amount of attention drawn to it. It's just like, oh, you know, just kind of matter of fact and it's not like made a huge deal out of. Um, which is awesome. I, I thought it was handled really well. Um, but I after episode four, like after that confirmation, because like throughout the episode, even after that's confirmed, like you kind of get the feeling that Tim and Sylvie are kind of setting up for some sort of potential relationship, which I'm honestly not for or against. Like, I don't care that much either way. Um, but I was seeing online that some people were like saying they were disappointed because you know oh we finally got confirmation that loki's bi and now he's being paired with a woman and i'm like okay like do you not understand what bisexual is like that is a possibility for one 
with bisexuality right. is that yes you could be attracted to somebody who you know visually looks like the opposite sex for one for two we don't actually get confirmation that sylvie is a cis woman it could be that i don't know mm-hmm. if all variants are going to share similar like sexuality and gender identities but that is a possibility that she could also be gender fluid and bisexual and if that's the case then no she's not a cis woman and you have a gender fluid person with a gender fluid person so that is still a queer relationship even though one gender fluid person is masculine presenting and they use they seem to use he him pronouns and the other gender fluid person is you know more feminine presenting and they use like she her pronouns that's still a queer relationship and i found it right really invalidating and gatekeepy because there's lots of people out there like that where they appear to be cishet and they appear to be in cishet relationships but they're not and it's they face a lot of erasure because of that because you know you always get right, this kind right. of you know, idea blobbed at you that, oh, well, you're not queer enough. You know, it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that's absolute horse pucky. So, you know, if somebody doesn't like the fact that Loki seems to be setting up for a romantic relationship with Sylvie, that's totally fine. You don't have to like the ship. But don't call the ship, you know, or don't, don't say that Loki's identity is kind of invalidated by it because it's absolutely not. You know, even if Sylvie is a cis woman, Loki's still gender fluid and he's still bisexual. Like, it's going to be a queer relationship regardless and it's still representing real people. So just because it's not the representation you want doesn't mean it's not good representation. So... Sorry, that's my little. Well, rant. and that's that's really no, no, no. It's it's interesting to me actually because we just got done with you know Pride Week or Pride Month, mm-hmm. and I'm um you know I, I I'm she her pronouns hetero cis, uh all that stuff, but um I know quite a few people who are in heteronormative relationships and are bi, mm-hmm. and um I. Uh, I really feel for them in that sense because, you know, some of them are even, you know, married to their uh, opposite gendered uh, counterpart. And uh, Pride Month is a very strange time for them because Mm -hmm. even though they are in heteronormative relationships, they are still not just allies, but um, people who are really part of the of the movement. And I'm Mm -hmm. always like I'm not troubled by it. I'm not uh, the words not right. I I don't know the word I'm trying to to troubled, um, sum I think up is here, a good, but troubled I think is a good um, good way to put it because I think like when you see someone who looks you know to you looks like a cishet guy and a cishet woman and you just assume oh well they're cishet that that's also I think a problematic way to go about it to assume somebody is cishet just based off of their appearance and based off of their relationship so you know and again that's going back to assuming sylvie is also cishet like Mm -hmm. we don't really have confirmation of that so maybe please don't make that assumption as well yeah but there's also something i'm trying to get at here yeah but it's it's more like having to do with the Erasure the and es- gatekeeping the essential, and essential yes, that. yes. Like I, I don't want to be like that. I, I'm almost I almost feel like I was raised like that, you know, mm-hmm. like when you see a person when you're in a grocery store and you see a person 
and they are, um, you know, clearly a uh, male person, and they are with someone who appears to be a female person. You, uh, there's there's an assumption there, um, and and really, what we need to be about is erasing those assumptions. Um, but it's it's hard to kind of like negate. Mm-hmm. 21 35 whatever years of uh being taught by society to kind of assume those things mm-hmm. but simultaneously knowing that you don't want to assume them um but not feeling so rude that you would want to ask somebody their uh gender preferences or their pronouns which is is it's it's both like exhilarating and scary to me um being a a cishet female i just feel very like um i don't want to offend anybody but i also am scared scared of uh asking the right questions does that make sense i know it does Um, and it's it's a thing where you know every trans person is also going to be different so like some trans folks will not want people to ask but then others will and then others will feel kind of weird about it but you know it's it's one of those things where you know we're we're not a monolith so there you know you ask you know five different trans people a question you're going to get five different answers you know like there's there's hardly any like I, I mean there is some consensus on certain things but a lot of things are just down to you know personal preference um really I think the best thing that we can do is you know not assume pronouns and then if like one of the things like when my husband um went to do his virtual training for his new job um he just went ahead and put his pronouns out there um just to kind of not only set the mood but also to you know signal that hey you know i'm going to you know i'm going to set the stage here and i'm going to I'm going to set this precedence in another words, like allow other people to also chime in if they wish to, you know, because mm-hmm. when cis sure. people, when cis people do that and they create that atmosphere and they, you know, give kind of like do a, like they give a lead, sometimes it can be a little bit easier to kind of put yourself out there or to feel like it will be okay to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's just like, you know, the plan is obviously to raise human beings that are aware of those things, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what we've been taught our entire lives to accept or not accept or question or not question. And mm-hmm. um, I, I worry about even shows like, like Loki, where we're being introduced to um, bisexuality and uh, gender fluid character um through timelines and uh, branches and variants and stuff where there's all these different options um, and we really have to look beyond those things to, to figure out who the character really is, what their mm-hmm. MO is, what they, what they strive to portray as, as themselves. And um, it's both a really awesome opportunity and I can see how it would be scary. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I, I get that some people can also be frustrated when they don't get exactly the result that they want, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I get it. You know, you don't get the exact representation you want, and that can be disappointing. But at the same time, you know, I, I think we have to keep in mind that, you know, 
that doesn't mean it's a bad representation. It just means it's not quite the representation you were looking for. And I'm not. I'm also not going to sit here and say that Disney is perfect and they've nailed it perfectly every time because they certainly haven't. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely haven't. <laughs> but, you know, I will still stand up and say that this, you know, this is good. I will give credit where it's due. And I was really pleased, even though I'm not 100% sold personally on their relationship. I don't feel like their relationship, mm-hmm. like you know, invalidates any kind of representation that they put out there, you know, because the thing, the thing is, is, you know, even with bisexual people, you know, in our society, you know, hetero relationships are considered the norm. That's what's pushed. And so there's, and there's also just more het people out there. So odds are you're going to, you're probably going to end up with somebody of the opposite gender. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of, you know, that, that's how odds work. You know, there's more het people out right. there. So you're probably going to find more het people, you know. So it's, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't... What's been really... Right. Well, so what's been really interesting to me have been the few times where Loki has actually um, inferred to Sylvie that he's into her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's so clueless. <laughs> like, yeah. She, she looks at him like... Um, what and we this last episode episode five we got a little bit of like blanket tablecloth ishness Mm -hmm. and um some really cute little moments i I, 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 (laughs) but it was it was cute it was so cute i I, it it was so cute i wanted to like pet them they were so cute um and can I say I mean, that, I, like... I guess that's all I got. <laughs> um, well, before we go too much further, um, when while we're on the topic of queer characters, I wanted to go ahead and do Gaming Quarter. Oh, because this... Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, because this time around, you know, obviously when talking about queer characters, you know, there's lots of... Uh, well, not lots, but I mean, there, there are quite a few different queer characters in video games. And... But as far as representation goes, like, obviously it hasn't always been great. But uh, one of my, honestly, one of my favorite bits of little representation is in The Outer Worlds, where you get uh, Parvati, who is just this wonderful, bubbly, lovely little companion. Unfortunately, The Outer Worlds, you can't romance anybody yourself. But Parvati, you can actually set up with Jun Lee and have them be a cute little lesbian couple. Um, but the thing is, is, uh, Parvati is also asexual and she kind of reveals this to you. And in revealing this to you, you also get a chance as the player character to identify as asexual as well. And that's something that I don't think I've personally seen in a game before. Um, anybody out there, if there is a game where you could kind of designate, designate that, please let me know. I, I would be really curious to check it out, but you know, that's the first time I've ever run across where you could actually specify, you know, the a player character being asexual. Because there's been games where you could specify your character being gay or bi, normally by the romances that you pursue, um, but also um, by sometimes the perks that you take. I know in New Vegas, um, with whether you're a male or female courier, you can actually take perks that basically imply that you're either gay or bisexual. Um, so I mean that that has been a thing, but 
the asexuality is new. And so I really, I really enjoy that. And I really think it's important to, you know, again, just give players different options and different ways to express themselves, their identities and their sexualities. And I'm hoping that soon we get games where we can even like, you know, identify as trans where, well, I mean, there have been games where you can identify as trans actually surprisingly the South Park game, um, I believe the most recent one you could specify if you were trans or cis or, you know, that, so that was really cool. But, you know, I think it would just be really neat if we could really take that a step further and have, you know, pronouns not tied to a body type, but just tied to an option that you check and that we could have like neutral pronouns and that we could, you know, if we're making a player character that we could make a body like what we would like to have or maybe a body that we do have like you know just be able to compensate for the variety of people that we have out there because it's it's already a struggle sometimes to get a game with good face options for uh players of color or you know even just like black players asian players you know you don't really have very good presets or options for that and then hair is normally just horrendous you know especially when it comes to you know uh kinky uh hair and curly hair and things like that like it just is really not good there's very few games out there that i've seen that actually have really good options for that one of them is the outer worlds too um but yeah i mean i i'm just hoping that in the future we get to see even more of this coming out where you know, player characters actually get to align closer and closer to the people who are playing them if that's what they want. No, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. I think mm -hmm. you've actually been talking about that for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> um, the idea of of having those options and being mm -hmm. able to represent the way you want to represent as opposed to having to choose something that isn't exactly how you want to be represented yeah. is um, exactly what it's all about at this point. Like... It's like, what on, we should want companies. for ourselves as well as what we should want for other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, to was there up. any closing, sorry, closing thoughts on Gaming Quarter or closing thoughts on Loki? Yes. Um, I think we're getting close to the hour mark here, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, just one last thing. Um, I, I know who we're building towards as, like, you know, the big bad, the general. And I mean, like, oh, like, I wish I was wrong. I kind of hope I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. And so I'm, I'm. All right, wait, wait, wait. Who do you think it is? Kang the Conqueror. Oh, yeah. Okay. I uh, just, uh, I, I'm both looking forward to and not looking forward to the last episode because I, I, I'm just not really a fan of Kang the Conqueror. He's one of those, like, kind of just OP characters for the sake of being OP, and it's... Oh, and I know how you feel boring. about OP characters. Yeah, he, yeah. he's just, he's, yep. he's boring. <laughs> there, there's, uh, but, I mean, there's really been heavy hints that it's going to be him, Ravana wins. Uh, Ravana Renslayer is a character in the comics who is very closely associated with Kang. Um, even Elioth, the little smoke monster, um, was also a character in the comics who, you know, was uh, also associated with Kang. Um, in the little, like, uh, void area, um, you could actually, one of the things that you could see was Avengers Tower or Stark Tower, but instead of saying Stark or mm -hmm. having the A on the side, it had Q-E-N-G, Kang, which was obviously a subsidiary of a company that Kang started when he came back and did his whole thing. So Kang the Conqueror mm. is essentially a ruler from far, far in the future. And 
basically, I think the premise is that he created this TVA in order to ensure that the say this sacred timeline would happen. The sacred timeline being the timeline that he ends up ruling the universe at the end of. So, I, I'm pretty sure that's probably going to be it. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know, his introduction and how they pull off fighting him and everything like that. I think like at the end of this, we're probably more than likely going to see the end of that sacred timeline as like the only timeline and have different multiverses branching off, which is going to lead into Dr. Strange's multiverse of madness. You know, I mean, we've had kind of, we've had hints of like multiverse coming in and like Wanda and like other movies and things like that. But I think like, right. Right. I think this is, probably going to be the episode where the multiverse actually starts to either come forth or you know this is where it gets its start because obviously until now we haven't had a multiverse or like a visual multiverse and I think we all just kind of assumed that you know it was there we just didn't see it but now like we're kind of learning that no it's not there at least not it's not there right now you know we just have the one timeline Mm -hmm. but you know, if Kang the Conqueror is taken down and the TVA is taken down, then, I mean, obviously there's not going to be anyone monitoring this timeline and, you know, variants are going to spring up everywhere and different timelines are going to shoot off. And so it's going to create this multiverse. So, mm-hmm. so I, I'm just, I, I'm curious. I, I am curious, but I also don't want to see Kang. So I, I, mixed feelings on right. coming up on this last episode here. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, um, I am excited to hear what our listeners um, are predicting for happening at the end of the series, as well as um, if anyone uh, has anything to say about uh, Black Widow or um, their take on uh, the music of the show. I'd love to hear about it. Um, You know how to find us. And... um, Loki episode six with us next week on Wednesday. The, you know, uh, <laughs> let us know what you're thinking, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, with that, I'm Lindsay, and I'm Tegan, and thanks so much for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons. <laughs>